people say God is good to me, then you believe God's good to you. For so many believers, we wait until something happens to equate whether God is good or not. It is good whether it's rainy. God is good whether the sun is shining. God is good whether it's a storm outside. God is good all the time. You might not be going through something that feels good all the time, but your God is the same. In fact, the Bible says it like this. It says he is the same yesterday, today and forever. So if God was good to you yesterday or if God was good to you last month, even though your circumstances may have changed, your God hasn't. And when you understand that your God hasn't changed, then when situations come into your life, it doesn't cause you to doubt your God. Amen. I wish I had three folk on both sides of the room who just believe that. Just three folk on both sides of the room who truly believe that their God does not change. So this morning, we're going to jump right into the teaching. And, and I want to tell you right now, before we get started, that you have got to gird yourself up and you've got to say to yourself, this is not the time to be sensitive. Because the word I have for you is not going to benefit you if you're sensitive. It's just not. There are times that people get to preach a word that is so fun to preach. Because when you preach it, you know people are going to be overjoyed by the word. You know they're going to be excited. They're going to be happy because we're talking about this is our year of great victory. We're talking about this is a year filled with hope and promise. We're talking about we love the word because the word of God builds us up. But the word of God cannot build you up if you are offended. And so we're going to start this series today and we're going to talk about what it means to live unoffendable. We're going to talk about what it means to live unoffendable offendable. And if you hang in here with me for the next two, three, four, six, eight, 12, 16, 32 weeks, if you just hang in there with me until we get through, I don't know when we're going to get through. I will, we'll know it because we'll feel it in the atmosphere. But if you are hanging here with me, I am telling you this thing will bulletproof your life. And the reason it will bulletproof your life is because you cannot offend an unoffendable person. And when a person makes the decision to become unoffendable, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what the world does. It doesn't matter what circumstances look like. It doesn't matter what comes or what goes. The person who decides to be unoffendable is always in a position to hear what God has to say. Now, say this to your neighbor. Say, neighbor, God is always speaking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, 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 need, I need you to hear me, and I need you to understand when I say that God is always speaking. Say it again. Say, God is always speaking. Why is that important? Because the moment you tap into God's frequency, you hear everything he has to say. The problem is, just like right now, we're all sitting in this building. So none of us actually knows what's playing on channel 46 on Sirius Satellite Radio. Come on, that's good. You'll get an idea that something is playing, but you don't know what the song is. Why? Because you haven't tapped into the frequency. Folks are sitting in churches all across America, but sitting in a church does not mean that you have tapped in to the frequency. 
And you can go to church and you can go home and you can teach small group. You can teach Bible study. You can pray and you can fast and do all of that without ever having tapped in to hear what God has to say. Because the truth of the matter is most people, if they haven't been taught, don't spend time praying the word. They spend time praying their problems. And the reason pray, the reason people spend time praying their problems is because if you're honest, it's because you are offended. Now, most people don't understand what offense really is. Most people think offense is just being mad, but that ain't what offense is. Everybody gets mad. The Bible even says in your anger, just don't sin. But offense is a different subject. When Jesus talked about offense, he said this. He said offense will come. He says, but you don't have to receive it. He said, don't you think for a moment that so when I start talking about living unoffendable, do not think that I'm saying to you, folk ain't going to get on your nerve. In fact, because you are here today, I guarantee you some folk going to get on your nerve. Because the Bible says that anytime you hear the word, the enemy comes so that he can steal away the word that you've heard. So when I begin to talk to you about not being offended and you go to the restaurant, somebody's probably going to offend you. Before you get home, somebody in your family going to call you, talk to you, email, text you, snap you and going to offend you. Your kids are going to do something to get on your nerve that's going to cause you to become offended. Oh, you're going to do something to your kids. It's going to cause them to get offended with you. See, offense works both ways. It ain't, just, it ain't just you being offended. And that's the thing with offense. When people get offended, they center themselves. And when you center yourself, everything in the universe becomes about you. And when everything comes about you, you forget that there are other people involved. Offense is this. My wife used to say it like this. Offense is the spirit of stupid. Say that. Say offense really is just the spirit of stupid. It is because here's why stupid offense is. You get upset because somebody doesn't speak to you. You see, I know they saw me, but didn't you see them? The spirit of stupid. They didn't speak to me. I can't believe they didn't speak to me. Well, what happens is you have now centered yourself to be the center of the universe. And because somebody didn't speak to you, you are offended because they have wronged you. But nothing in you says, wait a minute. Maybe they just got some bad news. Wait a minute. Maybe they struggling with something. Wait a minute. Maybe the reason they didn't speak is because if they opened their mouth, they were going to break down and cry because of everything they've been going through. So they tried to keep it together. So they didn't say nothing because they didn't want to break down. But no, you center yourself. And when you center yourself, then the whole world becomes about you. And so now all you can see, all you can hear, all you can feel, all you can relate to is how somebody has wronged you. And when you live your life like that, you can't hear God. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, when you're offended, you can't hear God. And the reason you can't hear God is because God doesn't operate in a spirit of offense. We just said the spirit of offense is also known as the spirit of what? God ain't stupid. So since God ain't stupid, he don't relate to stupid. The Bible says that we know the spirit by the. 
So if God is spirit and his spirit ain't stupid and you and you operating in stupid, he can't talk to you. Now, I ain't calling nobody stupid. I'm saying the thing that the enemy wants to put into your life will make you act stupid. So then if it walks like a duck, <laughs> quacks like a duck, what's up, duck? So you got to make sure that you're not one of these people who are always centering yourself. Now, I say all that to say because I want to read a couple of scriptures to you this morning because I got to prep you for this. I'm going to get out your way, but I got to prep you because here's what's going to happen. I am going to say some things I've been wanting to say that I haven't said, but it's a great time to say them because today you can't get offended. So now whatever I say is in the context of the message. So let me let, let's go to Proverbs chapter three, verse 12. You got your Bible. Go to Proverbs chapter three, verse 12. You got your phone, your tablet. If you ain't got nothing, then now I'm going to tell you something. Don't come to church without your word. Amen. And don't be offended either. But you don't dry your car without your keys. You don't brush your teeth without a toothbrush, hopefully. You don't wash your face without, without a wash towel. Don't come to church without a Bible. Why? Because you need to know if what I'm saying is real. But my preacher said, I don't care what your preacher said. What did the Bible say? Because when you, I don't want you out talking about what Pastor Edward said. I said, no, no, no. You ought to be able to find what Pastor Edward said in the word. So you can say, hey, the word says. Proverbs 3.12, you got it? All right, we'll go, real, we'll go a little slow with these first two scriptures. Then we're going we're gonna to kick it into high gear. Proverbs 3 and 12 says this. It says, for the Lord, what? He does what? He corrects those he loves. You may have a different translation, but it should come out the same. It says, for the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father, what? Corrects a child in what? Whom he delights. So the first thing you're going to have to learn to do if you're going to fight against offense is understand that, watch this, Correction is not rejection. You have to learn that correction is not rejection. Can, can I just say something to help us for just a moment? We are a multicultural church and we're becoming more and more multicultural and we love it. But for just a moment, I want to talk about the issue that I have with young black men. Here's the issue I have with young black men. Because... Through the generations, somehow we lost this idea that if I correct you, I'm rejecting you. Somehow we, we, we bought into that. And so now nobody wants anybody to feel rejected. So now we got kids growing up that can't nobody say nothing to. I got a problem with that. And I got a problem with you when you bring your kids to this church and they running. And I say, hey, stop running. And you get offended with me. Because I only told your kid not to run so they wouldn't fall and bust their head. Right. Oh, so what you got to learn to do is you got to learn to stop thinking that because somebody corrects you, your children or something, that they are somehow rejecting you. If I was rejecting you, I wouldn't say nothing to you. I let you go down the wrong path. I let you bust your head. And when you call me, I wouldn't answer my phone. But you can't get offended. Because as a father, as an apostle of the house, it is my job. It is what I'm supposed to do when I see you going down the wrong path to help you get on the right path. And I don't always have to do that while I'm throwing rose petals at your feet. But we live in a generation 
Well, people always need everything so watered down and so palatable to them. And that's why you have kids who can't function in the real world. That's why you have teenagers that the moment somebody say something to them, they feel like they got to commit suicide. We got to get beyond this idea that somehow correction equals rejection. Because it doesn't. It doesn't. Some of the most loving people I had in my life were some of my coaches who got in my behind every time they had an opportunity. Every time they had an opportunity, they got in my behind. Why? Because they saw something greater in me and they didn't want me to settle for less. Most folk don't care nothing about you and so they don't invest no time in you. But the folk who invest time in you are the people who actually care about you and that's why they correct you when you're doing something wrong. So you got to get your mindset. It's got to change. It's got to become different. You got to stop being a baby. You got to stop being sensitive. You got to stop being a little wuss. You got to learn to take some correction sometime. Somebody don't tell you sometimes, hey, what you did was wrong. And you ain't got to be. And maybe you get in your feelings about it, but you need to learn to get out of your feelings about it. They asked the question, was it wrong? And if what I did was wrong, then they had the right to tell me it was wrong. Because I care enough to say something about it. Let's go to this next scripture. He says he corrects you because he loves you. Hebrews 12 and 6. And I'm going to show you how to get rid of this mindset, man, that causes us to take offense to everything. And then I'm going to show you what the enemy has been doing. Listen, if you take a note today, in just a moment, I'm going to get to this one part that I'm going to slow down on. I'm going to give you four things I want you to remember. And in these four things, if you will learn them, you almost never, ever will have to struggle with the enemy coming and tricking you again. It was revelation to me when I got it. So let's go to Hebrews 12 and 6. Hebrews 12 and 6 out of the New Living Translation says this. It says, for the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. And he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Wait a minute. He punishes. If the Lord loved me, why would he punish me? See, here's the problem. We live in a generation where folk believe that if you love them, you don't do nothing to them. You just let them do whatever they want to. But the Bible says this. The Bible says where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. If you do not learn how to not be offended, people will stop helping you be the best you can be because folk ain't got time to deal with your offense. Will you help me? I want to be able to be able to do X. People go, well, if you want to do X, you got to do this and this. (gasps) I can't believe you said that to me. People's like, well, I just said that because you said you want to help in this area. But I didn't want you to tell it to me like that. So you want help in an area that you're not successful in. But you want me to tell you in such a way that you can be successful, but it's got to be in a way that you also like. It don't work like that. It don't work like that. I'm an educator. I have seen thousands upon thousands of teachers teach classrooms. When I see a teacher teaching, they're not teaching right, I always start off with a question. I say, hey, tell me how that lesson went. Tell me what you liked about the lesson. Tell me what you didn't like about the lesson. And if they don't hear any of the stuff that I think is important, I don't just go, well, okay. I say, okay, well, how do you consider this? 
Yeah. And you can always tell when, when you ask somebody a question and get offended, their body language changes. Because at first they're open. Did you love my lesson? My lesson was great, wasn't it? It was, but you only talked to that half of the class. <laughs> Did you notice that? And then they go. Listen, if people can't talk to you without you getting offended, people are going to leave you alone. If people in church can't talk to you without you being offended, they're going to leave you alone. If every time you call me for advice, I got to be concerned about how mad you're going to be. I'm a. Mm -hmm. It is human reaction. We all revolt from pain. So if we're going to say we are partners and we're in partnership, then you have to understand the role of our relationship. I don't mean this to be derogatory in any, in any, any shape, form, or fashion. But I think about this. You got up this morning to hear who preach. Hey, you. I mean, you know, where's the No, line? see, see, no, no, because cause people get offended. Like, oh, I can't believe he said that. I didn't get up to come hear you. I didn't. I didn't. You got up to come hear what I had to say. So if you make the decision to get up to come hear what I got to say, you ought to choose that whatever I got to say, you're going to receive it and not be offended by it. But if all you're going to do is be offended, why are you here? You got to get to the place where you make the decision, I am going to be unoffendable. I ain't going to be mad. If he talk about fornication and I'm fornicating, I'm just going to receive the word. I'm, maybe I won't stop tomorrow, but I'm going to receive the word. If they talk about fasting, I know I ain't going to fast, but I ain't going to get mad when they talk about fasting. If they talk about being baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues that the Spirit give utterance, I don't know nothing about that, but I'm not going to be offended when they talk about it. You got to grow up and become mature enough to take teaching that is not at the surface level. Because everything about you being a millionaire, everything about you next in line for a miracle, everything about you being blessed, some of it's about you need to grow the heck up. You just need to grow up. You need to grow up and you need to learn to deal with things with a mature attitude. Why? Because if you don't, you're going to always behave like a child. But what did the apostle say? He said, when I was a child, I thought like a child. He said, I acted like a child and I spake like a child. But there came a time that I put away childish things. It's time to put away childish things. Take it up and say, offense is a childish, immature, stupid thing. And it's time for you to put it away. It's time. It's time to put it away. So the question becomes this morning, how do we overcome being so easily offended? How do we come? How do we overcome being so easily offended? Listen, Pastor, I tell you back in the day and I've chilled out because some of it has to do with the love of God, which I'm going to talk a little bit about. But the principle is still the same. Church starts at what time? Ten o'clock. Does it start at 10 o'clock every week? Does it start at 10 o'clock on, 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 on the weeks that end in Y? Yes. Mm -hmm. Every day that end in Y. Every Sunday that ends in Y. We start at what time? 10 o'clock. So 
So when you don't come to church at 10 o'clock, at 10 o'clock, you don't not come to church at 10 o'clock to harm me. It's a, it's a character issue that you got. So uh, you can't tell me when to come. I can't. But I can tell you that if you come late, you're wrong. Hear me, I ain't scared of none of y'all. Oh, <laughs> and at the end of the day, when you want people to be better, you can't be afraid of them. You got to say, hey, look, you want to be a leader. You want to be a teacher. You want to be a person in ministry. You want to be somebody respects. Then show up on time. Show up on time. Don't, don't, don't. Want, this ain't no fashion show where you walk down the runway where everybody can see you. Show up on time. You say you're going to volunteer, then you volunteer. You say you're going to be there, be there on time. Tell your neighbor, say, people, people. are depending on you. Watch this. If you get offended by it, guess what all you got to do? Show up on time. I tell you all the time. Well, I was offended when you, when you, when you said to me that I didn't, I didn't teach that lesson right. Then teach it right. That's all you got to do. If you teach it right, there won't be any reason to take an offense to it. But the truth of the matter is most people have been have been groomed into this idea that you have a reason to be offended. Let me ask you a question. Which cross you die on? Which nail you take in your hand? What crown you put on your head? What cross did you carry? What sins did you bear? Child boo. (laughs) You ain't done none of that. And so you don't have a reason to be offended. You're only offended because you haven't matured in the word. What do we say about the word? The word of God will do what? Build you up. But if you're in the word, you're going to always end up being immature. So how do, we, how do we stop this? How do we stop this issue of being so easily offended? We live in an offensive world. Facebook, social media, all of them has conditioned us to have instant outrage. Instant outrage. And, and, and this idea that, that we spend so much time sitting on ourselves doesn't help. I heard Pastor Sean say it earlier. Listen, for six years you've been overweight. Now you lose weight. Now every time somebody make a post, they're talking about you. Were they not talking about you the last six years they were talking about losing weight? Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. Everything, everything is just, it's just not, not about you. It's just not. It's just not about you. It's just not about you. It's just not. And if you don't understand that, you're going to be looking for reasons to be offended. You are, some, people, some people actually feel more normal when they are offended than when not because they spent so much time in offense. It's like a fish. A fish doesn't know it's in water. It doesn't. You take a fish, and if you could talk to that fish, and you could ask that fish, what is this around you? The fish wouldn't know. Why? It's been there all their life. But the moment you take that fish out of water, oh, it has a reaction. What the fish start to do? Flop around? Some of y'all like that when you don't have anything to be offended at. Yeah, that, 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 that's why you come to church and you hear word and you get offense out your life and then you go home and you don't know what to do and you start flopping around and so you find something else to be offended by. 
So now I got to be mad at my wife. I got to be mad at my husband. I got to be mad at my kids. I got to be mad at my job because I feel normal when I'm mad. I feel normal when I'm offended. I feel normal when I got a bone to pick with somebody. But ain't none of that got to do with Jesus. And just because it feels good doesn't mean it's right. So we got to stop being so easily offended. So how do we fight the temptation to be offended? Because the temptation's there. The Bible says you're going to have it daily. You're going to have it daily. I had to learn as a young minister years and years and years ago that I could not get mad at the people because they didn't come to church. See, I don't ever think about that. Preachers have to deal with that. You got, I, I talked to a pastor. He said, I got 3,000 people who come to church on Sunday and 150 who come to Bible study on Wednesday. He said, every Wednesday I walk in that chapel, I have to bite my lip. Because you think, wait a minute, it's 3,000 people coming to church on Sunday. But ain't but 150 of them showing up on Wednesday night? What's wrong with them? But if you spend your time being offended at the people who are there, you only hurt them, not the people who aren't. So I don't care if it's 10 of y'all who come or 500 of y'all who come. I'm going to preach the same word with the same amount of enthusiasm if nobody was here. Why? Because I choose to live unoffendable. Unoffendable. I, I'm going to love on you whether you come to church late or not. I'm going to look at you funny. But I'm going to love on you all the same. I'm going to love on you all the same. Why? Because I choose to live unoffendable. Say, I choose to live unoffendable. So let's look at this. Go to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through 40. You're going to have to just start taking notes now because I'm going to run through this a little bit. Some of this is familiar with you. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through 40. In these verses, the Bible records an account of Jesus being asked a very important question. The man who asked the question said to him, he said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? The Bible says that Jesus replied and he said, love the Lord your God. With all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. He said, this is the first and the greatest commandment. He said, watch this. And the second one is just like it. He said, love your neighbor what? As what? Yourself. He says, and all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Here's what Jesus said. They was trying to trip him up. They said, okay, master or rabbi, what's the greatest commandment it is? Because they was trying to trip him up to see if he was going to say one because they were going to ask him about the other one. He said, oh, that's simple. He said, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, and everything that's in you. He said, that, that, that is the first and the greatest commandment. He said, but don't trip. The second one is just like it. He said, it's identical to it. It is to love your neighbor, what? As yourself. He says, and on these things, these two things, loving God and loving yourself, everything else in the Bible hangs on it. He says, so the moment you don't love God the right way, everything going to fall off. The moment you don't love your neighbor the right way, everything going to fall off. He says, the only way you uphold everything in this word is to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. You cannot love your neighbor when you're offended at him. So no wonder some of your stuff ain't, ain't, on, ain't on the line. No wonder, some of your, no wonder some of your faith is falling off. No wonder some of your deliverance ain't coming through. No wonder some of your restoration ain't coming through. You're not holding that thing up on the rod Jesus talked about. That's what offense does. Offense comes to rob you of the opportunity to live in God's fullness. 
Say, say that with me. Say, say offense comes to rob me of my opportunity to live in God's fullness. That's what it does. That's why the devil wants you to be mad at somebody. Because when you're mad at somebody, then you can't operate in God's fullness. Pastor, how can you say that? Because the Bible says that, that, that perfect love does what? Cast out fear. But what does fear have to do with it? The Bible says with fear brings torment. Wherever there is torment, you can't have the fullness of God. So it's important for you to understand that offense is, is, is this thing designed to get you not to live in the fullness of God. If you look in the book of Galatians, you find out what the Apostle Paul said this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. And I love it because he was talking to the Galatian church and he was talking to them because they were having the same kind of problems that we have in America's churches. They were offended with one another. They were upset with one another. They were mad at each other. And Paul wrote a letter to them. And when he was writing the letter to them, this is one of the things he said in the letter. And it's recorded in what we know as the fifth chapter, the 14th through the 16th verse. He says, for the whole law. Now, there he is again. He's talking about the whole law. What's the whole law? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, body, everything that's in you. And what? Love your neighbor as yourself. He says, for the whole law can be summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor. What? As yourself. He says, but if you are always biting and devouring one another, then watch out. He says, beware of the he says, beware of destroying one another. He says, so I say to you, let the Holy Spirit, I love this, guide your life. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Amen. Oh man. The, the Bible will preach to you. He says, listen. Love your neighbor as yourself. Or in other words, do not be offended. He said, and if you don't be offended, you won't find yourself biting and devouring one another. And people do that all the time. And in the church, they do it under the unction of prayer. Hey, Rich. I heard so-and-so about so-and-so. We ought to pray for them. Because you know, their wife don't know. Now, you ain't need to tell all that. You just gossiping. You just looking for an opportunity to pray. Oh, now you're going to somebody else. Oh, I, I, we, we, we ought to get together and pray for so-and-so because you know I heard. That's what offense does. You don't realize it, but you can be offended with something and don't know it, but it'll show up in your actions. Hurt people. So you offended at something your mama did to you 10 years ago that you ain't never dealt with. So now you don't realize it, but that's why every time you get an opportunity to be messy, you in the middle of it. You in the middle of mess because you are traumatized by something you ain't dealt with and let go over here. And so as a result, you don't understand why your friends don't tell you nothing. Watch this. It's a circle. So now you're offended. Because your friends don't tell you nothing. But your friends don't tell you nothing because they know you can't keep nothing. And the reason you can't keep nothing is because of the trauma you experienced 10 years ago and you ain't dealt with. And so now you're offended and that's why you're messy. But you're only messy because of the trauma that you didn't deal with 10 years ago. And because you're messy, your friends don't deal with you. But your friends only don't deal with you because you're messy. But you're only messy. Somebody, I, I, I keep doing it until you get it. 
It's a cycle. And at some point, somebody got to decide, I'm going to break the cycle. If all my best friends ain't my best friends no more, the problem ain't my best friends. I got a best friend who I've had since the seventh grade. I was in his wedding. He was in my wedding. I know where he is. He know where I am. If we don't talk for months and we see each other, we pick up Jeff. My wife, if I answer the phone, my wife would be like, that's Keith. Why? Because he's my best friend. We ain't never fell out. You know why? Because I am unoffendable. Let, 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 me, let, let, me, let me tell you something. I've had people in my life who I have every right to absolutely shun the mess out of them. I got some folk who did some low down, some dirty stuff. But at the end of the day, when it happened, even though I couldn't receive it, then the Lord kept saying, Don't, you got to get your heart right. It's going to come full circle. It's going to come. Have you ever had something happen to you that you were justified in being mad about? But then God tells you, I need you to get your heart right. Offended. I'm a man. You offended with God. Let me help you. Stop being deep. You've been offended with God. People are like, I don't think anybody could be offended with God. <laughs> you? Whenever you get upset that something didn't go your way, that something didn't happen the way you thought, the way something didn't come on your timeline, you are upset about it, and you're really upset with God if you say you're a believer because God is in control of everything. And so I've had some people in my life who I have had to make the decision that it didn't matter what happened in the past, I was going to be unoffendable. And as a result, God has been able to restore those relationships. But more importantly, besides the relationship, God has been able to trust me with the things he wants me to do. Because here's what you got to understand. If God gives you a vision to do something, he's always going to involve people. And because people are human, people are flawed. And because people are flawed, they're going to always do something that's going to get on your nerve. So if people are going to get on your nerve and you're going to not, and, you, and if you don't choose to be unoffendable, then that means the devil knows all he got to do to derail you is to send the right person to you to do something you don't like. Come on. Will you help me for just a moment? Just look to your left or to your right and just tell your neighbor, say neighbor, neighbor. say you, you. seem like, like an awesome person. Say, but I need you to know, I need you to know. Somebody, somebody don't think so. I know, oh, I know you. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You cool, you cool. I know you love yourself. I know everybody tell you how awesome you are. I know you're so cool. I know you're so good. I know, I know, I know. But everybody don't think so. Somebody don't like you. If some folk can't stand you. Uh-huh. You're like, oh my God, I can't believe they can't stand. That's right, they can't stand you. Why? Because you just as flawed as everybody else. And when you understand that, you don't mind giving other folk a little grace. You don't mind giving other folk a little mercy. Because I know you think you get it right all the time, but most of the time it's just the folk ain't told you you got it wrong. Yeah. Everybody ain't like me. 
There are some folks who will know you got it wrong, and they'll just be like, oh, it's okay. I'll just fix it. I'll just fix it. And you just keep getting it wrong. You just keep getting it wrong. My wife and I, and, and, and I know we got kids in here, so I'll be careful, but my wife and I, we talk to married couples all the time. And the thing that always just blows my mind when we're talking to married couples is they'll come and they'll talk to us. They've been married for 12 years. And they'll come and talk to us and they'll say to some other person, well, I never knew that. They're like, well, I ain't never said nothing. You've been laying in the bed beside somebody <laughs> for 12 years and you didn't tell them that your flesh crawl when they kiss you like that? So you've been letting them kiss you like that for 12 years? When all you had to say is, hey, babe, don't put your whole mouth over mine. I don't like that. That's all you had to say. I, I, I just like a little bit. Not, not, not the whole thing. But people try to not do things in order to not be offended, only to end up living in offense. So the truth of the matter is just tell people what it is. There's a way to do it, but you just tell people what it is. You know, I, I, when, when people give me gifts, I tell people all the time, I'm, gifts is not one of my love languages. It's just not. So, so if you never gave me a gift, I'm never going to be like, oh, my God, I can't believe they gift. It's not my love language. Acts of service is my love language. So if you want to love on me, help me take this trash out when church is over. You want to love on me? Ask me if there's something you can do. But, but, but I can't get offended if you give me a gift and I don't communicate to you that I don't like gifts or particular gifts. If you're going to give me a card, it's one thing you can't do. It's two. One, don't put no glitter on my card. If you give me a card with glitter, I might not read it. I do not like glitter on my card. It would be disingenuous of me to get a card from you. It had glitter on it and go, oh. <laughs> it would be disingenuous. So if you give me a card, I say, oh, you know what? That's really sweet of you. In the future, please don't give me a card with glitter on it. I hate glitter. Now, if you get offended by that, that's on you. I communicated to you how you can bless me so we can both be happy. The problem is every time somebody tells you something, you can't get mad because it ain't what you wanted to hear. And so if we're going to learn to be a mature church, there are things that we're going to have to learn to hear and learn to do so that when people say them, we're not offended. Amen. So notice this. John chapter 10 says this. It says the enemy comes but to do what? To steal, kill and destroy. Now, here's the thing I want you to write down. And I don't know how far we'll get with this, but I ain't going to keep you all day. But here's what we're going to do. You need to write this down. I'm going to tell you how the enemy comes to steal kill and destroy and I'm going to tell you what he does in each of those areas okay number one the enemy comes to attack you through lust he, he uses lust to attack you and the reason he uses lust to attack you is because it will degrade your integrity he uses lust to attack you he finds areas in your life that are that are undisciplined and because they are undisciplined he the Bible says it like this it says we are drawn away by what the lust of our own flesh so the enemy uses lust in order to degrade or devalue your integrity number two 
He attacks you through pride. He attacks you through pride because if he attacks you through pride, it diminishes your dependence on God. So he wants to attack your integrity and he wants to attack your dependence on God because he's coming to do but three things. What's that? Steal, kill and destroy. So he's going to come through lust. Whatever area is undisciplined in your life, that's where he's going to attack. So if you got sexual sins in your life, you're not dealing with it. He's going to come and attack that area. And what he wants to do is he wants to attack that area, but he's not going to expose you yet. The enemy never exposes you until he can expose you on the biggest stage. And so if you are undisciplined, right? Some people think they're getting away with it. You're not actually getting away with it. The enemy's just biding time. Because what he wants to do is wait till you get up and shine so then he can expose everything you've been doing. Because he wants to attack your integrity. Number two, he wants to attack you through pride. Because when he attacks you through pride, what pride does, it makes you become self-reliant. But look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you are nothing without God. I don't care how many degrees you got. I don't care what university you matriculated through. I don't care what pedigree you come from. I don't care what side of the track you was raised on. Without God, you are nothing. And so you got to understand that. And that's the reason that I tell people all the time, church is going to have to start ministering to the up and out. A lot of times what we want to do is minister to the down and out. The folk who homeless, folk who ain't got no place to stay. It's some folk living right there in Pinnacle. Who need to hear the word. There's some folks right down there in Savannah who need to hear the word. There's some folks right out there in the big old house out toward Bellamy who need to hear the word. You can't judge somebody based on what they have. Yeah. The enemy don't care nothing about what you got. He coming for you. Number three. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy and he attacks. He uses discouragement. Why does he use discouragement? Because discouragement attacks your faith. The Bible says that without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. So he uses discouragement. That's the reason that when you find yourself discouraged, you can't stay in that place. I tell people all the time, if you sad, you better come to church. You don't miss church when you're sad. You don't, you don't miss the joining of other saints singing songs of jubilation when you're sad. That's when you make yourself get up and go. Why? Because he uses discouragement because discouragement attacks your faith. What kind of discouragement? Anything that doesn't go the right way. That's good. Listen, marriages fail all over this country. Kids do things they're not supposed to do all over this country. People lose jobs all over this country. Every kind of manner of thing happens to people all over this country. But you cannot allow discouragement to cause you to become offended. Because if you do, you will lose your faith. The Bible says like this, all the promises of God are what? Received how? So if I let discouragement cause me to get mad, how am I going to receive what God has? How am I going to receive the next thing God has for me? I can't receive the next thing. Listen, I tell people this all the time, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I was talking to a couple the other day. I'm always saddened when a couple makes a decision to divorce. Because I just like the fact that, I, I like the love story. Get married, be married forever after. But there are times that when the divorce comes to an end, once it comes to an end, you got to move on. No, I use that because most people understand that. If you stay in a spot forever, 
nothing changes. If you stay offended forever, nothing changes. You can be offended a day or you can be offended a hundred days. Nothing changes. But the moment you make the decision that I refuse to rent space in my life to be offended against you, you have now won the battle. I refuse to lease space to somebody else to let me be offended. People say things like this. Well, they made me mad. No, they didn't. You chose to be mad. Because in every situation, you have the power of choice. What you got to learn to do is own it. Say, I'm mad. I'm mad and I'm mad because. Do whatever you got to do. Rent, rave, write, whatever you got to do. Get it out and then move on. Because God's got something next for you. But God can't give you what's here. When you're over here offended. Yeah. Take your neighbor say, neighbor, neighbor. Offense, offense holds me, holds me. In, a in a position of loss. Of loss. That's, so good. That's what it does. It holds you in a position of loss. And why am I talking about, uh, about offense so much? Because this is the one we want to get to. We talked about the fact he uses lust to attack our integrity. He uses pride to attack our dependence on God. He uses discouragement to attack our faith. But here is the main one that our church has to watch out for. He uses offense to attack relationships. He uses offense to attack relationships. Here's the truth. Some of y'all, if you hang in here with us long enough, your life is going to be better than you ever could imagine. And then watch this. It ain't got nothing to do with me. It ain't got nothing to do with her. It has everything to do with the fact that you're obeying God about where you're supposed to be. But if you're not careful, because of the things we have to teach you to get you to a certain point, you will become offended at us. And the enemy will try to do everything he can to get you to separate from us. And you will see yourself as getting free. But freedom ain't freedom when you're disobeying God. And so what you have to be careful of is you have to be careful of allowing the enemy to get you offended that he severs relationships. Not just your spiritual relationship, but there are some folk in your life who you know God told you are supposed to be in your life, but they challenge you. And because they challenge you, you don't like it. And because you don't like it, then you look for opportunities not to spend time with them. Then you look for opportunities and not to be with them. But the fact of the matter is the best thing you can do is be around people who challenge you. I remember the first time my son Chase went to work out with Jimmy. He was working out with Jimmy. He was like, I can't do this. I said, yes, you can. You just ain't never done it before. I said, you're going to go back out there. Well, we don't pay, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to go back out there, and every day it's going to get easier. And every day when he's talking to you in a way your mama didn't let me talk to you because you was her baby. Every day he talked to you like that, you're going to learn to take it. Because you know Jimmy ain't got nothing against you. You know Jimmy only wants the best for you. So if Jimmy tell you that that was trash and you can give him more, then you give him more. And you know what? He did it. 
You know what? When he started talking about the people who have changed his mindset, you know who he talk about? Because he challenged them. And you need people in your life who challenge you. You need somebody who say to you, quit complaining and read your Bible. You need somebody to say to you, if you will start spending so much time talking about what you don't have, you can appreciate what you do have. You, you need somebody to tell you, if you would listen to your spouse instead of talking all the time, you can find out what they're saying. Come on. And nobody clapped. Let me just move on. <laughs> Listen, offense, offense is so dangerous because it's like an AK-47. An AK-47 is an automatic rifle, and once you pull the trigger, it just keeps firing. Right. Offense, the, offense doesn't have a stop switch. It's, it's, it's either all on or all off. The, the Bible says like this, it says a little leaven, leaven is what? The whole cake. Or in one translation, it says a little yeast in the bread makes the whole bread rise. Offense is like being a little pregnant. You can't be. You, there's no such thing as a little pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not. You're either offended or you're not. And most people try to downgrade their offense as though that's going to make it better. But you don't want any offense in your life. Could you imagine somebody bringing you some orange juice, freshly squeezed, and that freshly squeezed orange juice looked so good, and right before they handed it to you, they put one little drop of sewage water in it. Now, it's an eight-ounce glass. The whole glass is good except for that one little drop. Why are you tripping about the one little drop? But we treat offense the same way. You got a whole life, but you cool with a little drop of offense? Then you ought to be cool with the eight ounce, the eight ounce glass of orange juice with a little drop of sewage water in it. Ain't nobody in here gonna touch it. Listen, you could have 120 gallons. If we see you put one drop, we're like, oh, oh, I can't drink that. You ought to be as repulsed about offense being in your life. You ought to be that sickening to you that you would allow the devil to get offense into your life to mess up your relationships. Now, here's what the Bible says. Jeremiah 3.15. He says, I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Hebrews 13 and 7 says, listen to the instruction of your spiritual leaders. It says, and do what they say. It says their work is to watch over your souls, your mind, your will, your emotions, your imagination, and your intellect. It says, and they are accountable, watch this, to God. That's the reason that I won't not teach this, even though I think it may be difficult for you to take. Because at the end of the day, i got to give an account to God about what I taught you. The Bible says I'm accountable to God for you. So, so it's like being accountable for your kid, right? Do you always want to say no to your kid? Some of y'all don't. Some, some folks like saying no, but most folks don't want to say no to their kids. Most people want to say yes to their kids. But if your kid is nine years old and they say, please, 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 can I drive the car? Not only are you going to say no to them because, number one, it's illegal, but number two, it's dangerous for them. So why would you let them do something that's dangerous to them? Well, as your, as your pastor and, a, and, and spiritual father to some of you, I can't let you do something that I know is dangerous to you. I know it's dangerous for you to be offended. So I have to talk to you about not being offended. 
It's dangerous for you to separate yourself at times when you don't feel being included. I have to say to you, that's not the time that you do that. You need to come to church. That's why I keep telling you, learn somebody's name in this church. We, we ain't got 5,000 people. You can learn 20 people's names. Learn somebody's name so when you see them, you can speak to them. Why? Because it's important that you have those relationships. Amen? So the Bible says that me and Pastor Sean are accountable to God for you. The NIV says like this. It says, do this, talking about you, so that our work will be joyous. So that our work won't be a burden. So that our work will be a benefit to you. I said to you last week, I am willing to volunteer in any department this church has. But we got enough people that I shouldn't have to. What you should be wanting me is getting my face lit up so that I can come and preach word that changes your life. Not coming from the parking lot hot and sweating because I had to park cars, then come preach to you. So you have to say, you know what? I got to learn that what Pastor Edward says, we need volunteers. He actually is talking to me. (laughs) He wasn't just talking to the people around me. He was talking to me, too. And then when you go, you know what? I'm a part of this, so let me do what I can do. Rather than going, he always talking about how we need some help. We need some more people. No, we don't. We just need you. We just need you. Because if we got you, we got everything we need till we need more people. Amen? Listen, understand this. Offense is deeply tied to the spirit of pride and control. Most people get offended because they have a lot of control issues. Listen, can I tell you that that is the thing? that will absolutely destroy your marriage. If somebody tells you in the marriage that you're always trying to control them, you ought to listen. You ought to listen. They're not just just saying that. That's how they feel. And the reality of it is that some people, myself, I'm partial. I'm type A concrete sequential. I am a controller. (laughs) I like being in control. I like controlling the control. That's why when I went to school, I never really wanted to teach. I wanted to be a principal. I just had to teach in order to be a principal. And then when I was a principal, I didn't want to be a principal. I wanted to be the assistant superintendent. And then when I was there, I don't want to be the superintendent. I need to be the controller. (laughs) So I understand that about myself. But because I understand that about myself, I also have to understand that I'm probably more inclined to being offended than other people. And because I'm more inclined to be offended... And because I am type A concrete sequential, even though I love the Lord, I'm inclined to hang on to it longer. Passion get mad at you. You say you sorry. You give her a plan of action for how you're going to fix it. She good. She's like, all right, I'm good. Now that you got it straight, we're good. Me, I'm like, all right. (laughs) So that's how we do this. All right. Not a problem. Now, in my mind. And so when I see you, it's like, hey, how you doing? I'm thinking, I can't believe you hugging me. Mm-hmm. I remember. So, so it's a lot of people like me. And because you like me, you have to work harder on not being offendable. Because you realize that you are predisposed or predispositioned in order to be a person who takes offense. Here's the worst kind of offended, people who are offended. Passive, aggressive, offended people. 
Y'all bother everybody. Can I just tell you? You bother everybody. You, you bother everybody. Are you okay? I'm fine. Are you sure? I said yes. Man, we know you mad. We know you mad. We know you offended. We're trying to give you an opportunity to let the offense out, and you won't even say it. So you passive aggressive. Hey, will you help us set up? Uh-huh, I'll help. We're going to be there at 9. Okay. 9.15, we ain't seen you. 9.30, you call. Oh, you know what? Something came up. You knew you weren't coming two weeks ago. It was your passive-aggressive way of showing your offense. Listen, just be mature and say, I'm mad. I'm mad at you. You hurt my feelings. Most people don't want to say somebody hurt their feelings because you don't want to appear vulnerable. That's the truth of the matter. So instead, you just get offended. You say, I'm fine. You just get offended. Hang on to it. When you ought to just say, man, that hurt my feelings. I'm sure you didn't mean to, but when you said that my preaching sounded like somebody couldn't preach, that hurt my feelings. You just have to say, okay. But, but you don't just sit around and hold on to offense. Amen? So now, now, now watch this. Offense is tied to pride and control. And together, pride and control in offense, if left unchecked, will destroy God's destiny for your life. You read the Bible. You look and see. Look at what happened to Solomon. Look at all the great people in the Bible who end up. Look at David. They, they all, pride and control got into their lives mixed with offense and caused them to do things that could have destroyed God's destiny for their life. Now, here's the thing. Pashon does this exercise all the time. It's called the forgiveness exercise. And I praise the Lord that when I do it now, I actually don't see anybody. When we first, listen, let me tell you something. Can I be honest with you? When we first started doing the forgiveness exercise back in like 04, 05, it was like a Rolodex. Of people just going through my mind who I was offended with. And over the years, I had to pull that stuff back in layers. And I'm telling you that some of you, even though we've done the forget, you ain't free from everybody. And yeah, you feel better, but there's still some folk you need to let go. And watch this. They may not ever come and ask you for forgiveness, but that's not the condition for you letting them go. You can decide to let them go if they never come back and ask you. And the truth of the matter is, sometimes that's the only way you get free. Holding on to offense is like drinking poison for yourself. It's like drinking your own poison. And so you got to get to the place where you say, you know what? I'm going to forgive them for me. I'm going to let this go for me. This, this ain't about them. This, this, ain't, this ain't even about how I feel about them right now. Because it, it, take, take a neighbor this. Say, neighbor, God, God can, handle can handle your truth. I was t- I'm going to share a story with you. I was telling Pastor the other day. Most people aren't real with God. And if you're not real with God, you don't develop a real relationship with God. So Canaan uh, had been, her phone had been upgraded twice since Chase's phone had been upgraded. And I try to be fair about phone upgrades and get them in the cycles in which they come in. So her second phone, she broke. And, and I said to her, I said, you're going to have to keep that phone because I think Caleb or, or, or like two, three other people is before you get your phone. And so I, I was like, you're going to have to keep it. 
That's, that's just how it is. <laughs> and so she's like, she kind of threw a fit the first time, and then the, which, which then justified me saying, no, you're going to keep it. Because when somebody act out on you, it's easy to be like, no, you're going to keep it. So the second time we had a conversation, she didn't really act out, and she was kind of like, all right, okay. Then it got to the place on her phone where it wasn't just cracked. It had that black stuff underneath, the liquid, so you couldn't really see it. And she's like, Dad, I can't see my text messages. I was like, that's your problem. You broke the phone, that's on you. She was like, all right. She went to her room. The Lord, as I'm talking to you, I heard him just like I'm talking to you. He said, you going to do my daughter like that? I said, The truth is, she my daughter. <laughs> now, Pastor Sean, when I told her the story, she said, oh, my God, I can't believe you talk to God like that. <laughs> and some of y'all are like, oh, my God. Me, listen, God told me a long time ago he could handle my truth. So if he can handle my truth, I don't hold myself back when I'm talking to God. He know what I'm thinking anyway. He said, he said, he said you going to do my daughter like that? The truth of the matter is, she my daughter. Without pause, without hesitation, he said, then act like it. He said, then act like it. Man, I got in that car, drove up there to Sprint. <laughs> got that little phone. What? I was offended. I was offended that she broke a phone. Because she wouldn't do a phone. But, but God doesn't want you to stay in a place of offense. So he'll say something that will prep you or prime you to get you to a place where he can push you out of offense. So when he said to me, you're going to do my daughter like that, and he, he knew who I was. He knew my response was going to be, well, actually, she my daughter. Because he already knew what he was going to say, which was, then act like it. Everything God is saying and doing to you is to get you out of offense. You, you, you think he's being mean to you? It's to get you to live your best life. It's to get you to let go of the stuff that you're holding on to because he realized you can't be great when you got offense in your life. So you got to get to the place where you just make the decision. I am unoffendable. Say that. Say, I, I am unoffendable. I'm unoffendable. And when you become unoffendable, then you recognize that, that, that God is only doing what he's doing to help you from being offended. Yeah. This is a good plot place. I want to mention this and then we're going to stop. So a couple weeks ago, on, on May 2nd, it was a Wednesday night. I taught this lesson on, on, on Facebook Live called Keeping Offense Out of Your Life. And I'm not going to reteach the lesson. If you want to see it, go to the Facebook, uh, FOC Facebook page and go and look on the videos and go to May 2nd and you can watch it. But when we talked that, we talked about the fact that you had to be careful because offense doesn't look the same for everybody. Because the enemy takes time in studying you, he knows what's going to get you as opposed to what might get you as opposed to what might get you as opposed to what might get you. I used to say it all the time, the devil only tempts you with what you like. That's true. No disrespect, but if you don't like bald-head women, he's not going to send a bald-head woman your way. You don't like short, skinny dudes, he ain't going to send a short, skinny dude your way. He's going to tempt you with what you like. You like cake, he's going to send you cake. 
And what will happen is you'll be like, okay, I'm going to go on a diet. And your friend will be like, oh, my God, have you tried Rick's new cake? You just got to try it. You're like, well, I'm going to die. Well, just try one piece. You're like, okay. <laughs> Why? Because the devil's going to sing you what you like. The devil has never in his life tempted me with Brussels sprouts. <laughs> never. He has never been like, oh, Edwin, you ought to eat these Brussels sprouts with this olive oil on them. He's never done that. <laughs> I see my wife eat that. I'm like, oh. <laughs> But now he will do this. Hey, Edwin, bluebells is back. <laughs> Why? Because he tempts you with what you like. Yeah. So you got to understand this. There are eight ways in which the enemy is going to come for you with offense. The first way he's going to come to you is at your mind. He's going to attack your mind. Listen, can I help y'all? When you walk up and there's a group of people talking and they stop talking when you walk up, they weren't talking about you. And it's not even so much that they don't want you being there. It's a natural response. If I'm talking to somebody, come up, you would stop and acknowledge somebody. It's just a natural response. And, and even you young kids, y'all can do this. People try to make you feel bad at school. You don't have to fall for that. Mm-hmm. And so what if they talk about you? Come on. So, so, so what? So what they said something about you? So what? Is it true? Is it true? Because if it's true, you can change it. And if it's not true, you can't do nothing about it anyway. They just keep saying it. So the first thing the enemy does, he wants to attack your mind. The second thing he does, he wants to attack your sight or your vision. He wants to make you misappropriate how you see things. Man, offense will make you see stuff that ain't even there. Offense will make you see stuff that doesn't even exist. He'll get you so focused on stuff that, 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 don't, that don't exist. I won't tell her story, but it is a funny story. McNair, can I tell your story? Okay, funny story. She told it to some people the other day, so I'm going to tell it. So years ago, so here's what offense does. No, I'm going to tell you, you already said it. So years ago, when I was principal at McNair Middle School, Pastor said that she was at home, and she tried to call me. I didn't answer the phone. She texted me. man didn't answer the phone. She called a school, and she didn't answer the phone. She said, and the devil said to her, he up at that school with some woman. Listen, the devil don't care whether you fall for it. He just throw it out there. He like, he like, what you going to hang on to? What you going to get? She said, so she tried to call again. She tried to text again. She said, uh-uh. So she got in that car. Now, now we live in Springdale. Magnet's over here on East Mission. So she drove over to the school. And she said she kept calling the whole time. She was, she was, she was calling. She called the whole time. And the devil just kept saying, you know he up there. School is out. Ain't nobody answering the phone. Everybody gone. You know what he's up there doing. It doesn't matter how unrational it is. The devil just say it. So she came over there. She drove over there. Parked her car. <laughs> got out of her car. Now, if you've ever been to McNair, you, would, you wouldn't notice. But the, my office was the very end of the building. In order to get to my windows, I had three sets of windows. There was a large flower bed before the windows. She's gotten out of her car. Got in the flower bed. Look in the window. And the devil was right. I was in there with a woman. It happened to be the 87-year-old woman who the school was named after. 
And the reason I couldn't answer the phone is because she came by and wanted to see the school, and it took me two hours to take an 87-year-old woman around 120,000 square feet. Just wrap, just, just wrap up this part. Needless to say, offense tried to get her to see something that wasn't there. Offense will make you see stuff that don't exist. It'll make you see stuff that's just not there. My friends don't trust me. Based on what? Based on what? Number three, offense is trying to get in your heart. You want to mess with your heart. Number four, we already said this, it'll mess with your relationships. Don't let offense come between you and your friends. I'm always disappointed when I see 20-year relationships just messed up over something stupid, over something somebody could have talked out. Listen, some stuff just ain't worth it. Sometimes you just don't have to be right. Even when you're right. No, even when you're right, you don't have to be right. Sometimes, Pastor, I don't like when I do this. There are times, though, that I know I'm right. But I know she knows she's right. So our rule is, depending on who cares the most, is who's right. So what does that mean? There are times that we both think we're right, but who is it more important to? Do I really care if I'm right or not? No. Okay, you're right, babe. She like, oh, you as wrong as you could be, but okay, you're right. <laughs> and you have to just learn that whatever you got to do to get offense out, you just got to do it. So relationships. The next one. The next way he comes is through your hearing. Number five, through your hearing. When you come to church, if you're offended, everything I hear gets filtered through your offense. If you're offended, everything I say to you gets filtered through your offense. Everything. Number six, your body and your health. Doctors will tell you this. Stress is a killer. When you get offended, it causes you to have stress in your body. It's almost equivalent to unforgiveness. If you have unforgiveness in your body, it can have strange effects on you. Physical, things that manifest. And doctors will tell you sometimes they can't really figure out what's wrong. They know something's wrong, but they don't know exactly what it is. And sometimes, not all the time, sometimes it's tied to, 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 to the things that's happening up here. It's tied to the way that you're, you're holding on to, to unforgiveness or offense or those kind of things. And then number seven, time. Don't let offense rob you of time. You know, there's nothing sadder than to see people at a, at a funeral and for them to start saying, I wish I had told them I loved them. I wish I had said I was sorry. Oh, my God, I wish I had spent more time with them. Why didn't you? Because you was mad. Because you was offended. It's the saddest thing in the world. I ain't talked to mama in 20 years. I should have said I'm sorry. Duh. And people do it all the time. People do it all the time. They wait until somebody is gone to then say, oh, I wish I had fixed it. You can fix it today. You can fix it today. If it's somebody in your life, in your family who you hadn't spoken to and y'all fell out a long time ago, you could just be the bigger person. You could just be a bigger person and just call them and say, hey, look, <laughs> I apologize. I don't even remember what happened. You ever been mad at somebody you don't remember what happened? Yeah. Yeah. Me and Pastor Sean had an argument years and years ago. 
and something happened the other day, and we were talking about it. And I was like, you, she's like, you remember that big argument we had? I was like, yeah. I was like, it was crazy, wasn't it? She's like, yeah. I was like, what was it about? She's like, I don't know. <laughs> and I didn't either. And there's some stuff that people are mad. You're mad at somebody, but you don't even really remember why you're mad at them anymore. You just know you're mad. Let it go. Don't let it affect your body. Don't let it affect your time. And then last one, number eight, we'll come back and teach the rest of this next week, finances. Offense will attack your finances. Offense is the spirit of stupid. It'll make you make stupid decisions. Pastor and I was counseling this couple. They was having really bad marital problems, which then turned into bad financial problems. We were trying to ascertain how they got to the financial problem because they were pretty well off the years before they got married. Well, here's what happened. They got mad at each other. And every time somebody got mad, they went and bought something. Because buying something made them feel better. So you get mad at me, I trade my car and go get a new car. I make you mad, you get mad, you go replace all the furniture in the house. You make me mad, I go on a guy's trip. We ball out. Drinks on me. You get mad at me, you go buy a Louis. So now, what was, a, what was a, a marital problem becomes a financial problem. Why? Because I'm offended at you, and, I, and when I'm offended, I do stupid stuff. So you've got to be careful. The offense doesn't make you do stupid stuff that ends up affecting other areas of your life. The last thing you need is to be mad at somebody so much that it costs you your help, costs you your money, costs you your time, costs you your peace. I'm going to end with this. Do you know most people? Who you offended at, not only do they not know, they don't even care. They don't even care. I don't care that you offended, so? They don't care. And if you told them you was offended, they'd be like, child, please. That's on you. And they're right. Offense is on you. You get to choose whether or not you offended. Make this declaration. Say, I declare, I declare that from this day forward, I choose. To live, to live the unoffendable un- lifestyle. lifestyle. God bless you.